Hi, folks. Our content warnings for this week. Uh, pandemic, uh, cooking, uh, inequality and privilege, ADHD, and <laughs> the U.S. healthcare system. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Uh, also, we have animals, one of whom... Is clinging to you like a small, malevolent tree sloth. Purring like nobody's business and being so needy. So very, very needy. Sergey, your emotional needs not being met. Oh, poor Sergey. Poor Sergey. Chickens are all asleep. Um, yeah. Which brings us to the next warning. Which is odd uh, that we swear. Yes. A lot. Often at the malevolent tree sloth. Yes, that's you, Sergey. Yeah, you're being sweet now, but you'll be a malevolent tree sloth before long. Mostly because I have to use my hands for things and can't just continually pet you. Yeah. So, welcome to Productivity Alchemy. Kevin is currently being detained by the cat. Yeah, this uh, is episode what? One, uh, 281. 281. Yes. Kevin has a great interview lined up today. I do. But first, let's talk about what we've been doing this week. <laughs> Kevin, what have you been doing this week other than cuddling a malevolent tree sloth? Magfest and work work. It's It's all like organizing meetings and putting together the schedule for the basically the security department and all the last minute things that are starting to come up um from the uh, you know different departments as we're getting things ready hotel room assignments i mean it's been a lot um not unexpectedly so uh and i also you know have a real job that i've been doing <laughs> yes, yes, that that real job thing. Yeah, and so it's it's like when I got last week's episode out, I didn't realize I had made a copy of the outro in like further back in the timeline and had left it in and started seeing reports about it on like Sunday but didn't have the like wavelength brain space spell slots spell slots uh brain cells to be able to do anything about it until today it was uh, I really need to take care of that but I really need to get this schedule finished and out the door and you know just all of that I'm kind of looking forward to having a 4-day weekend for the holidays because one I will have maybe some spell slots to do other things other than just MAGFest, MAGFest, and more MAGFest. Um, and, like, I want to finish Pokemon Violet. And there are a couple other things I'd like to do. Like, Zrath, who is one of our, our favorite, you know, furry friends, not like a pet, but like a, a fur in the furry fandom, sent me this lovely Lego City um, chicken hen house with a tractor and eggs. And, I mean, it's like a, with a little removable nest box. I want to be able to assemble this. Absolutely. Because I'm pretty sure Jrath saw it and was like, Kevin must own this. I mean. Because, you know, what else? Um... And, uh, you know, that's, that's just like my brain has been devoured. Um, I, I can't even like watch TV or I, we put on classic horror movies, some of which I love. And by classic, I mean, we mean like seventies and eighties, like 
touch points of Friday the thir- or not Friday the Thirteenth, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Phantasm. Um, because I never saw any of those right. because right. my mother did not. You know, it was in a, you know, she, yeah. she it was a religious thing. They didn't do horror movies. So, uh, also, if she was afraid, they would give me nightmares and that I would turn out weird or something. Yeah. Yeah, God forbid. We we see how how successful prevention that was. Yes, and now I write horror novels for you, a living. Yes. There's a lesson here, children. Ironically, the lesson is not that the forbidden has appeal because I was not interested in watching horror movies and I did not, like, sneak horror books or anything. It didn't even occur to me. Yeah, yeah. Um but uh, the the interesting thing about it is like I love these movies, but I just dropped one of my rings. Um, I can't like I am in such a space that I can't task switch. I I can either pay attention to the movie or I can pay attention to the massive amount of work that goes into making these schedules and getting everybody, you know, all this stuff together. And Which is why we're watching movies that he does not need to watch, but yeah. can just occasionally look up and go, oh, ha ha, you gotta watch this bit. So, yeah. yeah, you have to watch this. No, no, no. Did you see that scene? No, you have to go back and see that scene. Um, or I'll go, okay, what the fuck is the plot of Phantasm? <laughs> and uh, yeah, Kevin the... will explain that no one knows. And yeah. well, we all we all know. It's just that it's the second one, set ten years later and filmed ten years later, is significantly better. Well, we'll have to watch it. Yeah, uh, but then it gets really weird and out of whack by about Phantasm Four, and you start to question reality. Yeah, no, it's a whole thing. No spoilers. Um, you either love them or hate These them. These movies are from, what, 83? I mean, uh, that one was actually 1979. Okay, so uh, I think the statute of limitations may have expired. Well... Granted, that was more than 40 years ago. That was Phantasm 1. Phantasm 2 was 88. Phantasm... Okay, so yeah. extra sp- extra content warning. Spoilers for the Phantasm series. Yeah, like the last movie was done in 2000-something. Um I mean it it the fifth one is is much more of a questioning of what is real and what is not and how is this all interconnected and I think everybody sort of left that one going what the fuck so Oh, I, I did look up the special effects thing. It was not green screened. It was a prop ball, but they still had the guy just just pitching it as fast, pitching fastballs right behind the camera, and then they ran it in reverse to so that it looked like the ball is coming at you. Oh, okay. But it was like apparently, you know, out of all of the effects that they tried, that was the only one that looked any good. I I think of it like you know the Sam Ramy's traditional. Like that shot that I think he sort of pioneered with the deadites coming through the woods after you. Um, but that's just, you know, me. Uh, anyway, the, the Phantasm series, you either love it or hate it. It's not good. Uh, the first one is terrible. It's, it's, but it is, ambi- it is a very ambitious failure. Like, yes. watching this as, God help me, a professional in a related field. I'm watching it going, <laughs> I can absolutely see the bones of the movie you wanted to make. Yeah. You didn't make it. You couldn't. Out of budget. Also, a 
you may not have had the skill to do the script or there was some cutting or something that included like explanations but uh the I, second one the second one does is so much better executed in my opinion yes but um, nevertheless i i greatly admire the ambition yeah. of the like i i would rather watch a really glorious failure than a you know eh, whatever i well yeah i we i love I think one of the things I love about Hellraiser, the like Hellraiser, the original '80s Hellraiser movie, is such a perfect adaptation of the short story novella. I, I forget where the Hellbound Heart qualifies on that, um, and it is it is delicious. Uh, the second movie starts to go more into that, what we consider, you know, the 80s kind of campy horror-ish thing. The only one of the series I've seen is Hellraiser 3, and let me tell you, Hellraiser did not make me want to see any of the rest. No, Hellraiser 3 is absolute shit. Um, everybody agrees Hellraiser 3 is the worst. Just absolutely terrible. But the first two, as the first one as a horror movie is delicious hellraiser 2 is much more of a fantasy horror mythology thing you know which one i wouldn't mind re-watching what's that that i saw probably about that time but have very little memory of uh-huh event horizon that's the hell oh. that's basically the hellraiser in space kind of one right um except it's not actually hellraiser in space no but it's, no it's... I, I i don't know i never saw that one. Oh, holy shit we gotta watch that then. Uh, we gotta watch that yeah but uh it, in that case uh then you have to watch the original hell hellraiser probably yes i mean it it is that's the one that establishes the hell priest uh, aka pinhead as like one of the supreme icon horror characters Kevin um, also had me watch Saw, which I had missed. Yes. And um, you called it. I didn't so much like the movie as I liked being right about it. <laughs> because I called every fucking beat in that film. Yeah. Um, the. Um, and, and again, much like Nightmare on Elm Street, it might have been groundbreaking at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just that, like. Uh, it's kind of like, and I'm being unfair because these days I come at it and it's like watching an M. Light Shyamalan film. You know there's going to be a twist. So you watch the whole thing going, okay, what's the shocking twist? Ah, there it is. There it is. So it's, it's, it's not entirely fair to the movie that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, pretty much I was like... Nobody's checked that dude on the floor for a pulse. Right. Also, when the doctor was laying on him and grabbing stuff out of his hand, he should have noticed he was warm. There's They, they actually explain that in the second But anyway. Um, <clears throat> so you have an interview. So I have... Well, for, no, we haven't talked about what you've done this week. Uh, I existed. I continue to taper on my meds i actually managed to write about a thousand words a day so go me yes uh and you've been getting other things done so that's yes you uh, know i mean it's mostly 
mail stuff, triage my email, but, uh, you know, remember to mail a gift card kind of thing. So oh, yeah. I can't say I'm getting a lot done, but, you know, yeah. for for having my, my brain meets. Brain meets. Kind of wiggled and jiggled. Anyway, yes, that is all I've been doing. But you do have an interview. I do. Um, so I had a chance to sit down with uh, Katie Mazika, who is an author and illustrator of uh, children's books. Um, her, Yay. yes, um, uh, and they are are uh, biographies that are historical um, and STEM related, so nonfiction. Um, it is. Oh man, I bet you got to draw a lot of humans. Uh, yes, a lot of humans, uh, and it's a fascinating thing. And uh, I just love talking to Katie, and so uh, we'll have that for you right after this. I am here today with Katie, whose last name I forgot to ask how to pronounce, so I'm not even going to try, because I don't want to mess it up. Um, and Katie is an author who does some fun books and a whole bunch of other stuff. You paint, you you have, um, you know, you have all kinds of things going on, and I'm really excited to talk to you. So Katie, can you do a significantly better job introducing yourself than I just did? <laughs> Hi, my name is Katie Mazika. Um, I'm an author and an illustrator. Um, and I do primarily I do picture books and the the stuff that I write and illustrate is nonfiction, biography, our historical uh, slash stem um, fiction. Which is uh, and 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 stem is so important. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. and it's fun. It's so much fun. Um I, I go down the rabbit holes with the research. <laughs> oh, oh really? Oh yeah, no, that's that was the that was the stuff I ate up as a kid. And it was so hard to find in like the the eighties. Yeah, but or the 70s. now it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um and you have other things going on too. Like I said, you have hobbies. You have Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I'm uh, a big reader. Um a lot, I read and listen to books quite a bit. Um, I am a gardener. I love my garden. Um, and, uh, and when I'm not doing either of those, I, I like the theater. I'm thrilled we are back in actual real person theater again. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm still a little iffy on movie theaters, but, uh, yes. I, I am, I'm hoping, uh, that as theater theater kicks in a little bit more, I will be able to start attending some of those. I'm a big concert goer, so I've been to several of those. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, 
concerts, I, I feel like have concerts in theater have better air circulation than movie theaters is, is the thing. So I don't know. Those um, high ceilings and yeah. for the acoustics. And so, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. What was the last show you saw? The last TV show? Uh, well, theater. Oh, theater show. Oh, gosh, it's been forever. Um, I was fortunate enough to go see Anne Lamont speak, and that was that was this past spring. But actual theater play, what was the last one we made it to? Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking it would have been 2019. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it may have been Rent that came through, or Lynn uh, is something, you know. Oh, I love Les Mis live. That one's so good. Oh, Les Mis is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, with with all this going on, right? Um, Okay, wait, before I get to the question, now I have to ask, what was the last TV show, you you know, what what series are you into right now? Because we're really doing She-Hulk. I mean, She-Hulk has just been awesome, so. (laughs) I I have done all the Marvel series. My, My son loves them, and so we've done those religiously. Um, the one I'm, I'm really into right now though, is bad sisters on Apple. Oh my God. I love that show. (laughs) It just sucked me in. I can't. Yeah. That's a good one. There's the, and I keep looking at it going where, where's the one good character in all of this. And I'm having such a hard time finding it. Yes. There's just a one. But it's hysterical. Oh my God. It is. It's it's a pretty uh, funny show. Yeah, a, a comedy tragedy of errors. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, finally, someone else I, I I know who is enjoying that show. All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. It's I I um I finally got around to finishing Better Call Saul like a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and it's been this big hole in my life because that was such a great show. And I sort of took my time finishing up and I'm like, and then I was like, what else am I going to find? And this one I stumbled into was not, was the same, no good character. I will admit this. I've never watched Breaking Bad. I've never watched Better Call Saul. Those two are, are on my someday list. I was huge into Supernatural when it was still on. And so I've been looking for, for something to fill that void and there really isn't anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm, I'm, I, I've been meaning to watch, um, Breaking Bad f- since it ended. So now I guess I'm just going to have to do it so I can do better call Saul. <laughs> They're two of the best written shows. And I, I, I tell you for me, part of the reason I love them is, um, the filming. The, some of those shots, camera angles, are so clever and and just perfect for setting the scene. Mm-hmm. Visually, he's oh, fabulous. Wow, yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons we like um, the Jordan Peele movies so much. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Candyman and um, uh, Us, and of course Get Out, and now Nope. Nope is so amazing visually that it's just wow. Um, See that—that's I haven't seen yet, but my family and I were just talking about running it tonight. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh! It is. As soon as it was available to stream, I was pushing the the rent button, um, and I may have <laughs> to, good. and I may still have to buy it because I now I need the complete Jordan Peele collection. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Okay, back on track. Now that we've gushed over media. Uh, <laughs> um, with all the things going on, how do you keep yourself organized? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, well, I, you know, I run a calendar that helps um, mm -hmm. to keep me. Um, and then I, I, have you ever heard of a panda organizer? Yes, the panda planner. Yeah. Yeah. Those are helpful. I Because for me, sometimes I get to the beginning of the week and I know I need this done, this done, this done, mm -hmm. you know, and turned in by certain points. So to be able to write it all down and just put it in front of me helps. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I can pick out which one I'm going to attack that day. Have you seen the um, Rocket Book version of the Panda Planner? I think it's a Panda Planner on Rocket Book. Oh. Um, so you, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with rocket books. I am not. Um, so it is a erasable notebook that you can like take a photo with your phone and it translates and, and puts into oh. for you. Um, and it uses the pilot friction pens as the erasable okay. bit. So, I mean, I think it's really cool. I have some of their, uh, their, like eight and a half by or not eight and a half. They're three by five note cards, so that when I'm like at an event or something, I can just scribble it down and then worry about it later instead of having to get out my phone or blah 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 blah. Yeah, um, yeah. But their panda planner means that you can just okay, we'll just reuse it instead of having to buy a new planner over and over and over again. That's a brilliant um, idea. Yeah, that's the thing is when you you use a whole planner, it's like what do you do with it when you're done? Uh. When I took the Franklin Covey courses back in the day, mm -hmm. we won't talk about how long ago that was, um, <laughs> uh, they were like, and here is the archival book that you can put all of your old pages in so you can refer to them in future I... years. And I'm like, I don't need every single daily plan I had in, you know, for five years worth to reference. That's That's ridiculous, but... Um, and even more so today, it's when everything, you know, if you need to know the last time you went to the doctor, you just go to your doctor, you know, the, the, my mm -hmm. chart and there it is, you know, or. Uh, yeah. Or I pull everything. it up in, you know, I search my calendar. Exactly. Right? Everything goes in a, in the calendar. Yeah. And that's there forever. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> as long as you've got connectivity, that's the one weakness on the system. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so anything else in there? Um, I, for keeping my stuff, I, I, I always have a notebook on my desk and mm -hmm. I will all the time when I'm on a phone call or something and something comes up that I need to take care of, mm -hmm. I write it down. So I know where to go to, to look for it. Um, if it's always in the same notebook. Um, and then sometimes I go back through my notebook and I just laugh at this, you know, cause it's like, it almost it makes no sense except maybe to me. Uh, and mm -hmm. then, um, and I, I am a big, uh, I, you know, you're falling asleep and suddenly you remember stuff. Do you do that? I do yeah. that. All the, and that's when I email my stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. An email in bed is like, don't forget to take care of this tomorrow. <laughs> and then, right. yeah. Because but if you when don't I'm get trying... it out of your head, you're going to stress over it all night long. Exactly. Exactly. 
And I know I'll, I'll read my emails when I get up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a... Or, or, I'm working on a theory that, like, almost everybody these days, you're either on um, Gmail or um, a similar service. I'm, I'm on... I have a Gmail account and a Yahoo account. The Yahoo account is old, and it ended up being my my account for spammy stuff. Oh you know, yeah. Uh, you know, when every time a store asks for a credit card or not a credit card, um, information to send me their credit card stuff, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I was like, yeah, you can have this one. Cause I hope <laughs> the, this, the but, separation uh, of accounts is big. Yeah. 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 Um, but most of my stuff comes through, um, my, my Gmail account, um, and I have a separate account that's set up through my my website that is work, but half the people I do work with know me, you know, personally and, and contact me through my my Gmail account. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just set one of those up for Ursula. Um, that goes to her uh, like she's uh, assistant sharing, she's time sharing, and assistant with a bunch of with several other authors, and so. Well, the professional stuff goes to her assistant now, and it's been great. Um, oh, I bet. I bet that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that way also now she doesn't have to worry about it anymore and doesn't have that big pot. Because you can just look at your work email when you want to. Or look at the, you know, triage in all of the those requests instead of having to sort it through the stuff that's already, you know, important. Right. Exactly. And if somebody yeah. else say, nope, 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 this one, they probably want to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, do you so, use, um, uh, so we were talking beforehand, do you, you, what do you use for like uh, your, your book planning and your notes for that? Is it still paper? Are you using, you know? I, I have tried, I've tried Evernote. Mm -hmm. And Evernote is good when I am, because a lot of what I'll do is I'll start online. And mm -hmm. um, and when I'm online, I'll, I'll grab photos, and Evernote's good for that, or mm -hmm. um, I'll grab links to, to articles. Um, but in particular with the book I'm working on now, I ended up having to go and I would find mentions of articles and then I would have to go go to eBay and actually buy that magazine from like oh 1930. Yeah. Um and I did that. I was a handful of magazines I had to buy and then there were books that I ended up buying I think off of Abe's books because they they had written about um Bula Henry's the, the who I'm doing my the book that I'm working on now about and they had stuff about her um mm -hmm. but they weren't in print anymore. And so a lot of that, and so then I'm working off a paper, Evernote isn't nearly as helpful unless I want to type it all in. So those were a lot of handwritten stuff. Mm -hmm. And I get a notebook, a giant notebook of three, three or five subjects, and I'll handwrite the notes and give them a number and flip the book. And then that number, I'll put all the ref where I got it from. Mm -hmm. So I can go back and forth as opposed to digging through. And the other reason I ended up doing that is I was creating timelines for, for Beulah Henry. She was an inventor and doing timelines in the back of her inventions because she had right. like 58 patents. And so timelines, I was trying to figure out when she was doing what and where she was living because she lived in New York City um, 
but prior to that, she lived in, in um, North Carolina, and I was trying to pinpoint where she was when, and when she was in New York, she lived in several hotel suites, and I was trying right, to figure right. out which hotel she was in when, um, for reference, for the art, mm-hmm. and then I was pulling up photos of those hotels as far back as I could get them. So it's a lot of everything. Um, cause then when I get the photos of the hotels, um, those I save into my phone. I also have a Pinterest mm-hmm. board that oh, is wow, everything yeah. from that time period that I, you know, re- um, fashion, um, rooms. Like I, I need certain types of rooms, you know, um, uh, what Times square looked like at that point. Cause she lived in Times square, uh, in the hotel. She always picked a Times square hotel. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, it's a little bit of everything, but somehow in my head, I know, like right. yesterday, I was like, <laughs> where was this, this, this drafting table at? Oh yeah. I put it in this file. And then I go back and find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, and I don't know. And there was a lot of, and I've been lucky. The la- the book I did prior to Beulah mm-hmm. was Annette Kellerman and she, they sort of crossed in time periods. So a lot of the fashions and hairstyles and stuff, applied both directions or to black pride to both books. And my next books are going to be just a little bit later and they'll be in the same time period. The next two I'm working on. Um, so that collection should work for both books and for hair yeah. and um, fashion. And, you know, I have to differentiate a little bit um, based on who the characters, you know, people who were, who worked for a living in the early 1900s wore different clothes than people who were, were society. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, uh, that's one of the things that I was always a little frustrated with, with say, um, the whole steampunk movement mm-hmm. is you see a lot of the people who would have been society and not, you know, the people who were frankly shoveling the coal to make the steam engines run. Exactly. Which exactly. is a very different thing. Yeah. Yeah, and there were two separate fashions and hairstyles. I mean, these women who were wearing gloves and hats and giant hair everywhere, they weren't having to to do anything other than, than, you know, they were pretty, uh, you know, they they had a dress to go to tea in and a dress to Mm -hmm. take a walk. And, you know, it's like that wasn't how most people lived. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And I'm I'm a big um, reader outside of my, you know, large fiction consumption mm-hmm. of, um, most of my history is around feeding people lately. Um, mm-hmm. so I recently read, uh, there's a book on, um, the history of the suffra- suffrage movement and the cookbooks that came out of it. Oh. Um, and then I also read, uh, uh, recently one about the, um, nutrition movement and the cookbooks and information that were coming out during the great depression and the whole, you know, founding of the, the founding period of things like the USDA and, um, you know, how we were feeding people during the depression and how we were, you know, making sure everyone was getting food. Um, so yeah, which means that I'm like looking for, you know, reprints of the Pittsburgh suffrage cookbook (laughs) (laughs) from like 1910. Yeah. So I feel you on that one. Um, Well, then we had women who were willing to sit around and cook 
as opposed mm-hmm. to because then we went into you know they they were they were actually making things from scratch mm-hmm. or having your giant meal in the middle of the day. Yes, as opposed to I mean that would be a very different you know compared to now where we're like you know make it quick and easy and and eat at the end of the day. Well, there's yeah. still and and there's a whole bunch of recipes in there for the quick and easy because you need to. You need to be able to do like, you know, the early meal, the late meal, and you have all the stuff in between. And then the, the one that got me is there is a progression in the cookbooks where it was expected you knew things. If you were reading a cookbook, you knew how to cook already. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it'd be like boil the chicken until done. How do you know it's done? Well, you probably learned from your mother or your grandmother. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the late 1800s that we start to see recipes, well, like like 1890s, uh, recipes in the format we're used to now with here are exact measurements for the ingredients and here are times. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of cookbooks from the 40s that have the that are written in the old style where it's like just a block paragraph of put this in, put that in, cook for cook, done. And I'm like really um and then I, yeah but i will tell you and this is from my research with beulah these girls a lot of them at least um up until i don't know the the, the in the very early 19th century in the late 18th century mm-hmm. they were going to school to learn that that was their yeah. their college and and which blew me away when i i, I pulled up her old yearbook and it was like she could learn elocution, she could mm-hmm. learn music, she could learn hygiene. <laughs> and yeah, they were taught yeah. to be parent or to be moms. This was mm-hmm. like you're going to school to be to be a wife. Yeah, that was that was a big thing in the late eighteen hundreds was when that really started kicking in. Um and it was uh what we would now consider, I guess, home economics. Um yes. but it was uh or at least when I was in school, home economics. Um, but before that, yeah, it was like, um, yeah, the whole thing was, you know, we will teach you how to, we will school girls in how to be wives. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it was, oh, the patriarchy is such a pain in the arse. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they, they taught them how to sew. They taught yeah. them, they were lucky they learned French and music, you know, they, you know and then they'd be well-rounded. Yeah, yeah, but um, but that was for the the more privileged people. The yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The the less privileged before we started to get the pub, a movement for public schools was much more in the you maybe you would go to school long enough to learn to read, and then you would have to work on the on the farm or in the yeah. house or whatever. Yeah, um, or go out and work. Yeah, eighth grade mm-hmm. I think was was when. Typically, school was done for most people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let me put down a content warning for inequality and privilege because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. You have a lot of inputs coming in. You have uh, a lot of a lot of information storage. Um, do you have any any systems or, or habits? that you find useful in, in keeping all of it together? Um, not systems as much as I, I keep it. I don't let it leave my studio. 
Okay. If it gets out in my house, then, um, then I, cause I know myself once I'm done at the day and I, I go downstairs, um, my, my head is elsewhere and I'm able to let set stuff down and never find mm-hmm. it again. So I try, I try to make a point and I kind of, I don't want to work at, you know, in, in my living room. I want to kind of, want to go sit down on my couch at the end of the day, relax and be done with it all. Yeah. Um, and that has been, I think there are a lot of people who found that challenging in the last couple of years is they've had to transition from the, we have an office that has dedicated a space I go to and work and now I'm working at home. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I first started working from home, we won't talk about how long ago that was either. Um, <laughs> um, it was, it was really difficult. And I, I know a lot of people, um, who've had to make the transition in the last couple of years, um, had, had to learn those same lessons I did, um, about try to dedicate a space, keep that space just for work and, you know, leave it behind if you can, if you can't, you know, do your best. Um, I'm very, very fortunate in how supportive, um, my, my husband and my kids are, and I have a studio over a garage and, um, if I shut the door, they'll usually let me be. I love working from home when my kids were little, mm-hmm. um, because I could be there, you know, I usually ended my day with the end of their school day, but I could be there with them and I could make sure that they, that homework was happening and all that. So it was, a, it was, for me, it was, it was a big, um, you know, benefit that I, um, that I could be at, in the house with them. And as I got older and didn't need me around so much, you know, although I, my <laughs> son will tell me, or will tell you that I made him sit in the chair in my studio. And, you know, that was how homework was done. It was like, no, you were going to sit right there in front of me while I work and not look up and not touch a phone until you yeah. got, there was a lot of hours of that, but I, you know, I was very lucky to be able to do that. Um, you know, now my kids are older and they're, they're, um, they're in their early twenties and, and they don't, you know, we're very much, they're just at home, um, finishing school and whatnot and working and, you know, and I'm just, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no, I, I have the added bonus of my youngest is going to college across the state. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, he's going to be 21. My oldest is 25. He's, um, uh, he lives in South Carolina. He lives a whole state away. Um, you know, it's, it's been amazing to watch them go from that. Um, you know, they need everything from either me or their mom or to, independent functioning adults. Um, although I, my, my youngest still doesn't have a driver's license cause he hasn't needed one. So <laughs> well, I got one of those too. My, it's my son and we're like, we're, we're slowly kicking him, you know, get that license. Um, we, uh, my daughter got stuck in a uh, college of COVID and she oh, came yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, you might as well finish school here. You know, there's no reason for you to sit in an apartment and pay that amount of money when everything's online. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, um, 
the school my son is in is really good about that. Um, they actually have like a separate dorm, separate dorm space. If you happen to have the COVID, or at least they did. Um, he got it at least one twice last year. Um, wow. But, you know, this year he's the RA. So he's got, you know, a little, the extra space. And uh, nice. yeah, it also means that he's getting paid. So <laughs> And he gets like, a break hey, on get an education. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he gets a, and, well, I mean, it's not enough to cover the education, but we at least get a, a discount on the ho- housing cost, which is like bonus. Oh, um, that is nice. That is yeah. nice. And I don't have to pay for an apartment for him. So, you know, yeah. that's all true. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, um, we were, I think my daughter is very close to being like, okay, I'll see you again. <laughs> this has been fun, but I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it also, I think the, the the remote learning and the learning from home also depends on what program they're in. Yeah, it didn't work mm-hmm. for her. She was, um, at that point, she was in an art program. She's now, mm-hmm. you know, but then she decided, no, nah, that isn't what I want to do. And she she turned around and, and um, enrolled in the writing program, which was yeah. much better. And that one they, uh, was local and she was classes in person, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the uh, art program <laughs> at a distance, <laughs> I was like, nah. You know, and I went went through an art program. I went to the same school, and I'm like, you need somebody looking over your shoulder saying, that didn't look right. Or yeah. this isn't the way you do it. You know, you need somebody there, tell, and you need somebody showing you the way to, to do something. You know, it, it's a very yeah. visual, hands-on you know, this is how you do this. This is how you use this tool. And, uh, and so it's like lab classes. You can't do lab classes online. Um, and that's, that's why my, my son, my, my youngest son is, is in person in college because he's in the climate sciences program. Yeah. So there's like the lab work is very important. Um, you know, so meteorology and climatology, and you can't do all of that for. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, although it is nice to see him, you know, go to some of our older relatives who are asking. So is so is uh, is this whole climate change thing man made? And just watch him deconstruct it and take them apart on all their arguments. Good, good. <laughs> you know, good. You know, and yeah. And- we need from the you know and i see the next generation gives me hope for all oh so much so much um you know because they are smarter Mm -hmm. and they they have um the ability to find the information online yes and know and make their own decisions and uh as in i don't my my daughter um when i watched her graduate from high school and she had this group Mm -hmm. of friends and they were so open about sexuality and mm-hmm. the whole spectrum of it. And, you know, and I was like, we're going to be okay. These are the kids that are going to go on to, to, you know, govern us in the future. Oh, yeah. And they, their minds are so much more open than, than my generation or, you know, that open-minded yeah. and acceptance. And I think it's, I think it's our generation. Cause I'm, I'm Gen X. So that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, Oh, you know, every so often I look at it and I go, Oh, the kids are going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. They are. Kids are all right. That, you know? 
they they grew up with more acceptance and understanding and empathy than uh, yeah. I think uh, any generation before. And uh, and I watch these book bands and I know I you know, it's like they they these they're like quick 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 we gotta we gotta unempathize them, <laughs> yeah, divide them. No, no, that's the whole yeah no no. So yeah no and for for uh, I'm a big um punk and heavy metal fan and so watching um the bands coming back out and like i got to see rage against the machine live i'd been that was a band i had had broken up i thought i was never going to see live bucket list band and um i'm still you know and they're putting up messages about inequality like on the big screen as they're playing you know educating informing and i'm like you know and i'm thinking looking at all the people who are younger than me who think of, you know, like Rage Against the Machine is classic rock, not the the music of our times or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that and and Tom Morello on Twitter, uh, the one time somebody says, "Man, uh, you know, bands don't need to have political opinions; they just need to make music." Um, and I don't know if you saw that the response to that one. It was it was. Uh, what do you he, say? He said, you don't have to be a Harvard graduate with honors in political to science in order to have an opinion about politics. However, as an honors graduate in political science from Harvard. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just, I, I was just like, I need, I need lotion for that burn. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know people are like, just be entertainers. And it's like, no, these people are, they're human beings. Yeah. And they're allowed to have opinions. And um, I think uh, a lot of times the opinions are valid. Yeah. Um, so. And, and punk and metal and almost all forms of music have always been political in some way and trying to strip that out of it or or whatever is uh, takes takes so much away from it oh it's always been and Mm -hmm. punk um and i'm not i used to listen to punk that was my my husband loved that but (laughs) um but i mean uh the sex pistols was all political oh yeah anger and um Mm -hmm. But uh, from the beginning, that's what it was. Yeah. And um, so was rap. I mean, rap was a statement against. You oh, know, yeah. And, and yeah. Oh. Um, if you if you have a chance, uh, there's a series of comics called Hip Hop Family Tree that actually um, is the history of hip hop music starting in the seventies as it grew out of the streets and the punk movement and, and moved up and talks about things like, you know, yeah, the, 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 the political inside of it, how it became commercialized, um, all that stuff. It is an amazing, um, an amazing piece of, uh, of, of history and uh, really well illustrated. And, you know, if you're Gen X like us, you probably get all of the references to the time periods as well. <laughs> um, do you have any, any, any systems or habits or things you use to help keep the family side of things organized? 
Um, they're pretty, well, at this point, no. When I were younger, mm -hmm. um, those little Google calendars where everybody could have a color helped yes. a lot. That helped a lot. Um, and and um, now that it, that they're older, that and you know, it, it's not as necessary because I'm not in charge of their doctor appointments anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, um, if anything, it's just nice to know when everybody's going to happen to be in the same house so we can do something mm -hmm. to get, you know, dinner or something. Yeah. Um, but um, that was, I used that prior to that. I had, um, you know, written planners that I could shove into my purse. But the minute um, things went digital, I was much happier. Um, yes. Less to, to lose. <laughs> Carry around and lose. Um, and then... Uh, Trying to think how else we did it. Um, we did the whole the calendar on the the fridge too. Mm -hmm. um, but I was the one who managed everybody, but you know, as far as medical appointments and stuff back then, because I was home in the afternoon. Right, right. And so you know, it was more or less just me making sure my husband knew, you know if uh, I was going to be one, one direction with one kid that the other kid would be there when he got home and it, they, it was up to him to take care of mm -hmm. um, dinner or whatever. Right. 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 <laughs> um, cool. Um, um, let's see. Did we know. miss anything? I, Thinking I about know. systems I, and habits? Um, my big habit Mm -hmm. I guess for work, at least is get your butt in the chair. You know, once you do that, that's half the job. Yeah. You know, once, once I'm at my desk, it's harder to put stuff off, especially if I turn on my computer and I'm like, Oh, that's right. I was in the middle mm -hmm. of doing that you know, um, with my art, you know, I'll leave it at a certain mm -hmm. place. Once I see it again, I'm like, Oh, that's what I was working on. Right. Yeah. That, that, that is such great universal thing. I hear it from yeah. tech people. I hear it from, from authors, from artists. Yeah. Just if you can get your butt in the chair and just start, you can, you can move forward. Well, and um, I have a time in my head that I have to be mm -hmm. at my desk. You know, it's like a, a about nine. And if I'm not at my desk, I feel like I, I'm being, you know, I, 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 too slow. Need to hurry up. Get yourself going. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even even with a flexible schedule, there. My my company is very kind to, to us in the um, work when it's best for you. As long as you get your work done, we you know unless you're on like on call or something like that, you know just don't miss meetings. And you show up when you show up. You get your work done. We're not stressing over you're in a chair at a certain time. Mm -hmm. You know, but on the other hand, yeah, I get that sort of anxiety, like it's 9.15 and I'm just finishing, you know, just making my second cup of coffee before I sit down and my, in my headspace, I'm late. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can hear the kids during the, the school year walking and it's like mm -hmm. that's sort of a, a, a um, an audio cube. Okay. Upstairs. They're, they're on their way to school. <laughs> You know? <laughs> and I think that goes back to when my kids were in school, you know, cause I started my day mm -hmm. when they went, we're out the door. Yeah. Yeah. I, and now I have the chickens, but they are so they're driven by the sunlight. So 
it's nice now that I'm not getting a, a first wake up call at like 5 a.m. because the sun is up. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but now it's, it's, yeah. Um, but still that, that, that anxiety, if you spent as much time in, in offices or having to stick to a strict schedule, it, it really gets sort of uh, hind brainy. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, which which kind of already leads right into what does a typical day look like? So we already know get in that get that butt in a chair by nine a.m. and and start working. But <laughs> um, I try to take care. I know my brain, and um, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD, which was not a surprise to anybody who knows me. I got Doc Katie, but. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm, my best time to focus and really um, get into a project is from about 11 to, I literally like seven o'clock. At that time period, I can get very, very focused and get a lot done. Um, Prior to that, I I, I have a hard time just, just really honing in and focusing. Mm -hmm. So I, I tend to get up to my studio and I go through the stuff I hate doing and get it out of the way so I can focus on the stuff I want to do. I'll do my um, emails. Right. Um, people I have to connect with or follow up with. Um, and then it, the other thing I'll take care of is anything that may not even be business related, but, you know, like that doctor's appointment I'm supposed to make or, you know, refill a prescription, just get all of that out of my way. And then um, the other thing I do is because when I'm working on a book, I'm working Mm -hmm. on like like right now, 18 illustrations and I have a deadline and it's 18 separate pieces of art. And so I I start each day by sort of putting them all together on bridge to figure out where I am. Mm -hmm. Do I need to panic yet? (laughs) You know, um, or do I have it? You know, and what needs where what I'm attacking at this point, like right now I'm working on a series of five and making sure that colors are the same and everything is consistent because there's a lot of repeated, um, interior mm-hmm. scenery and characters. Um, but that I'll do that, you know, in chunks and usually I'll sit and I'll look at, you know, the chunk I'm working at all together and see new stuff that it wasn't, I wasn't seeing because I'd been looking at it for six hours or, Oh yeah, yeah. Before. And, and I find if I see new stuff and just, I'll even make notes to myself on the screen, like little arrows going, this does not look right or circle something so that when I start working, I remember this was, remember this was off and, and then I can make changes. Um, if I'm writing, it's a whole different type of day. If I'm writing, I'm usually doors are shut. Um, I'll put on noise canceling headphones and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And usually I'll be pacing and rereading stuff aloud. I pace a lot when I write. It's a whole different mindset there. I, I like yeah. going back and forth between the two. Um, I will be so sick of painting by the time I'm done with this book because that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can dive right into writing for a while, you know, and so it's kind of like, I, I, you know, I look, I'll look forward. I'll be looking forward to writing by the time I'm done with this painting on this book. And by the time I'm done writing that, finishing the text next, I'll be looking forward to the art. 
it just mm-hmm. goes back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. When Ursula was doing the middle grade books mm-hmm. and had to do um, much smaller illustrations, significantly smaller illustrations, mm-hmm. but you know, cause it was part comic and part, part prose. Um, but her total was like 150 illustrations per book. <laughs> And so it would just be, yeah, but she would do, you know, here's the time period to write the manuscript. And then here's how many illustrations I have to do a week or a day to finish everything. And then after 17 of those books, she's like, okay, I'm done now. I I don't, you know, if I'm going to do these, let's hire an illustrator. Um, (laughs) You know, but on the flip side, you know, that also, uh, that, you know, she was also doing the other prose things that have led to, you know, the book she's got out now. And the, I think every children's book author, she says every children's book author is a frustrated horror author. And, um, <laughs> and then on the flip side, you see things like Clive Barker, where every horror, where horror authors are frustrated children books authors. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that does he have a kid's book out? He's, He's got it? several. Yeah. Ah, I have to look. Yeah. Ah. Um, see, I, I, uh, I, I, I can see that. And I don't know that I'll ever, I write older stuff. I've thought about middle grade. Yeah. I've got a couple stories that I would love yeah, to do. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't like being in a position where I feel like I can't stop and catch my breath. I got so much to take care of. Right. Um, and, I, it took me by surprise when my when Annette came out, and that was my first book as an author illustrator. While I was mm-hmm. working on my second book, and it was like it, it was a little bit. I had to figure out where to put my energy. Am I gonna mm-hmm. between promoting one book, working on another book? All right, we're back. Sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. Um, these things happen. <laughs> yeah, so you were talking about. Um, uh, putting your energy into promoting one while writing another. Yeah, that was that's an yeah. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I did my book first book festival, which was fabulous. It was so I got to um I did presentations with a couple of groups of kids, and the kids mm-hmm. are so great. The kids are just they are they oh, yeah. just open their mouth and say it like it is. Um, and uh, and. Then, I died and then meeting all the other authors. Um, and it was easier to come back and work on this book after taking a couple of days and, you know, sort of motivation and build your energy up. But there is a, mm-hmm. uh, a new, it's like, it's a new component to it all. It's like, <laughs> if you're struggling to get the, uh, the one book, you know, working on a book, working mm-hmm. on a book. And then it's like the same time I'm like, Oh, but yeah, there's this other one. I gotta, gotta, you know, I uh, got to keep promoting. Um, so I, I'm getting used to it, but it is a lot. And I, I didn't yeah. expect that part. Um, and there's also uh, the, the separation of it is so long between when you hand the book in and when it actually comes out. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, in trad publishing. Yeah. Like, oh, I finished did, that, like, two years ago. What do you mean I have to talk about it now? Well, or, yes, or sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and 
It's like my, my daughter laughs at me because I'll be talking and I get Annette and Beulah mixed up all the time. And she says, you're working on Beulah, not Annette, Mom. And it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, but my brain is jumping back and forth and giving it a talk about Annette. And then I go home and I work on Beulah. And then it's like, and it, there is, it's hard for me sometimes to divide that. I'm looking forward. Mm -hmm. The next one is going to be not a picture book biography, so it should help. You know, right. really, you know, think differently. Um, but it it is, um, and I I have you know, I have writer friends who do picture books, and they do two three out come out in a year, and I'm like, how yeah. are you keeping that all you know straight? But when you're not illustrating, I think it's a little bit easier. Yeah, um, yeah. And especially the timeline. But yeah, it is hard. Um, it's very hard, you know, because you you, mm -hmm. you said um, I turned all of the Annette stuff in this time last year, you know. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like, oh yeah. Uh, so I have to ask, which book festival? Oh, it was Heartland down in um, Kentucky, and it was a it wasn't a big book festival, but what I thought was just so cool about it mm -hmm. was that they had brought in a thousand kids for a day. Oh, wow. Um, and these kids, they did author presentations all day long for these kids. And I asked the guy who ran it and I said, how, you know, are you charging schools? He said, it's totally free. I said, what a mm -hmm. great field trip. Um, all these schools are paying for is transportation. Kids bring a lunch and they, they get author presentations for a day. And then they get to go out on the floor and meet the authors and talk yeah. to them. And, you know, and, it, it just a nice, um, nice way of, uh, for the kids, nice way of doing a field trip and the exposure. And I guess the older kids, cause it was at a community college, they were sitting down and doing, uh, presentations on degrees like graphic design mm -hmm. and, you know, two years degrees you could get. I thought, what a great experience for kids. Yeah, they um, do, um, the, uh, bookmarks festival in Winston-Salem, which Ursula and I were at this year. Um, they do it as a street festival on a Saturday and it is free for the public. Um, much more of a, uh, you know, if, if the room, the auditorium isn't full, you can attend kind of thing. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was a great experience. Um, and, uh, uh it was the second time she's been a speaker at bookmarks and it's, you know, so yeah, if you get a chance, that's a good one. Yeah. It's just a good one. Yeah. This, Plus this it's one. just down the road. It's like an hour and a half away. So. <laughs> well, I ended up with this one cause it was by my dad's house and, um, oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, it was just, um, the next day they did have the public coming through and the public and they had mm -hmm. all the, um, adult authors came in more for the yeah. second um, but it was, and it was my first book festival. Mm -hmm. And so I went there kind of intending to learn stuff and figure out, you know, what I mm -hmm. need to know. Um, I'm doing the Buckeye book festival, I guess in a month and then books by the banks or, um, the week, the Saturday before, um, Thanksgiving. Which uh, of course, by my schedule will have. It? been in the past uh, when yes. this actually well, goes on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about some fun questions. The, okay. the fun 
they're my favorites anyway. Um, the uh, so the first is um, what advice or what is the best advice you have been given, and or in addition to the best advice you would give somebody else. All right, the best advice I'd be I'd been given. Um, I'm an illustrator first and foremost, and I had to learn um, the hard way. And I was probably told mm-hmm. by more than one person, your work isn't precious. Uh, be willing to just, just, you know, trash it and redo it. And I think that goes to writing too. Yeah. Uh, sometimes something just isn't working and you need to, to start over again. And that's hard, especially, in the, you know, starting out, that's hard to do, but. It, it's it can be the difference between something working out successfully and not. Uh, yeah. So, and um, it happens. It happens with everybody. Um, I had John Scalzi on late last year, um, and he was talking about his his current novel, Kaiju Preservation Society. Was one of those. He was working on one thing. It just wasn't working. It wasn't working. And he threw it out because he had this other story in him that just needed to be told right now. And he wrote it in like a white hot heat over the course of a month. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, but I, I can't think of a single author I've talked to who hasn't had, or artist who hasn't had that moment of this thing isn't working. Okay. Out it goes and, and put it in and getting through that, that process, um, my first version of Annette got mm-hmm. tossed. It was the art was wrong. Um, oh, the, yeah. It was. It just. It got. And my agent and I, I remember at some point, I you know talking to her, and it was just. It just wasn't hitting. And I told her, I said, I'm redoing it. I said it's gone, and it came back. the The initial colors were um, coppers and turquoises, and very um, much more. Um, subdued and I came back with um, purples and mm-hmm. yellows and you know and redid it and redid the art and um, and we sold it you know I, I couldn't you know the first yeah. one I wasn't wasn't right and um, it took it took a series of portfolio reviews where the uh, um, art directors weren't saying we don't like your art, but they were saying it's fine. And I'm like, but and like, it's fine. I'm like, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> I <laughs> knew it in my head that yeah. it was boring, but they weren't, they were too polite to say it. Um, but they, it was boring. And my daughter had been to art schools in the back of my, you know, back of my head going, mom, come on, you gotta, you gotta, you know, this isn't it that you got, you got to push it. And I pushed yep. it and, and it, it worked for me and that's, you know, and it's, it's worked for me very well. You know, since yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, and um, once I changed what I was doing, not, I sold the Annette book and the Beulah book mm-hmm. and I ended up doing about the same week getting offered two books, the first two books in the chicken soup for the baby soul series to illustrate those. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, um, you know, it was like, okay, well, apparently, you know, this is it. This, it was boring and I needed to just, just suck it up and say, okay, 
Yeah. And I tossed out my whole portfolio and redid it. I put mostly a lot of Annette. And then uh, all my other pieces, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. But that was COVID and I had the time. Yes. Because nobody was looking at anything. Um, nobody, we weren't sending art out anywhere. It was like, it was COVID and it was like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't going to hurt. And um, that was that, that first spring of COVID. And, 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 you know, and I had nothing else to do because suddenly I had two kids home. The one kid who I would normally be running around in circles, um, he was, he was finishing up his senior year. So he was living pretty much parked in my studio doing homework because I was like, you have to finish this to graduate. Um, But there were no doctor's appointments. There were no nothing. And, you know, and I just just worked um, and it changed everything. So, um, and I think the, the advice I would give somebody, mm-hmm. um, figure out what the people around you are doing. This is an artist, but I think as a writer too, that works and, and what you're not doing. Um, like that's what, what hit me was I wasn't, my colors were, were dull and I was like, what am I not doing? My, my figures were too, you know, just figuring it out, going through and seeing this guy's, and you know, I was reading through um, the, the PW's book deals and saying, why are they hiring these artists? And how do I get to be one of these? And, uh, and not copying, but just seeing where, what you're not doing. Hard look, I guess, is how I put it. Take a really hard look. And after a technical delay and a bit of a fight with the recording software, we're, we're back, folks. Um, <laughs> like a three, four-hour gap. Don't worry about it. Y'all aren't even going to notice a thing. But um, So, uh, Katie, we were talking about the, the advice you would give people. Um, um, or you were about to talk about that when the whole thing went straight in a crapper. So. <laughs> <laughs> The, the big one is that, that work isn't precious and right. um, take a step away and look at what, what people are doing that is successful. Uh-huh. You know, what, what is, and not, I'm not saying copy or anything, but I'm just saying, um, I see this with a lot of illustrators. It's like, um, if the people getting work have portfolios full of kids and animals and in environments and your portfolio is still has your your um, life drawings from college. Maybe you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You, you take a good long look, and, and I'm surprised at how many people. Um, it's easy to get in your own head and on your own track, and not look around and see if this is the job I want. Then I need to I need to focus in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of young people, or I, I used to watch a lot of young people at conventions. They would ask Ursula, "How do you get these these jobs? And how did you get these these illustrating jobs early in your career?" And her first thing was, "You draw everything. Draw whatever yeah. you can." Um, yeah. And because it was a lot of fur cons, um, anthropomorphic art, she was like, "Draw humans," because 
a lot of these places don't want, you know, anthropomorphic art. They want people. And you're not going to get just by better, and you're not going to get these jobs on talent alone. You have to practice and hone and work. Um, Yeah, and that's a big deal. you got to have it in your portfolio, and you have to be consistent. That you know, having one or two great pieces and a whole lot of mediocre will not won't mm-hmm. get you hired. You have to be able to show them you'll do it again and again and again, and uh, and just just look and see. I mean, I do children's publishing. Children's books are full of kids doing kid things, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, and animals. Gosh, so you know, so many animals, and <laughs> I hated the idea of doing animals when I. When I started out, and I'm like, all right, I got to suck this up and learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and now I love animals. It's one of my, I, I love the chicken soup books are all animal characters, and they're, they're so much fun to do. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, uh, Ursula actually hated doing humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but uh, it was uh, one of the things, and she will be the first to admit she's not the greatest artist, but she's consistent and she delivers on time. And that means a lot. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to redo a schedule because you couldn't, you know, finish. You know, and and, and publishing is weird because, um, you know, it is like you were saying earlier. Everything you're doing today, you won't see it published for a year or more. Right. Yeah. But the, there's a lot of deadlines they are setting up. You, they have an art director who's like, I've got to have this in a printer by day X, and I'm going to need so many days to put in the the text and to figure out if everything's oh, yeah. okay, and then it's got to get run by A, B, and C before it goes to the printer. So they, you know, when you mess with their you, their deadlines, you're messing with their wiggle room, and, um, and you know, they won't come back. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, and that was, that was one of the other things um, that, People often ask, they're like, we have a child, uh, uh, I have a children's book and, and my, you know, here it is. And my, my partner, the illustrator and, you know, has, has done all this work. How do we, you know, sell it? And often publishers, unless the artist is also the, or the author is also the artist, they have a stable of artists. They know that can deliver on time in the styles they want for and, and all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's much harder to sell a book if you're an artist illustrator pair coming in. Yes. Yes. Um, I, and um, a lot of editors love working with author illustrators if they're the same person mm-hmm. because um, you know, like I, I have the whole idea in my head and she does, you know, my editor doesn't have to argue with the writer who's like, well, that isn't how I envisioned it. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> But I think if, if you're bringing in a wild card and they don't know, you know, this is somebody who can do the work and get it done on time and consistently and, um, you know, is somebody we can work with, you know, then, then it's a new risk factor. And editors have so many books um, oh, yeah. they, that, that, you know, taking away as many risk factors and, and things that may, may make them um, think twice is probably... Mm-hmm ups your chance of publishing. Yeah. And there, and, and a lot of people also don't think about the impact um, of marketing on the schedules. Oh um, yeah. You have to get the books 
you know, you have to have certain things at certain times in order to get them in the bookseller reviews that are going out to like the, the, you know, the places that literally are buying the books to put them on the shelves. And if you don't have them, you know, if you can't get it into that, into that uh, catalog that you're sending out to Barnes and Nobles and, and Amazon, all of that of books that you want them to sell, then, you know, uh, it becomes really difficult to market. Um, I remember how much went into putting dra- getting Dragon Breath out on the shelves and making sure that, you know, these are the deadlines that were nothing to do necessarily with the publishing schedule, but everything to do with the marketing schedule. Well, and not just that, but you got um, for awards and stuff and mm-hmm. things like um, Junior Library Guild and, and all that is they need to see that certain things um, before they can decide whether or not they want the book on their list or, you know, to win an award. And if you don't have it ready, then, then you're out of, you know. Oh, yeah. You're, and um, you need it all together. And you just, you want to be able to put it out there for, you know, far ahead of time as possible and get into people's minds and mm-hmm. make the cover something that people, when they see it, recognize it. Yeah, it's um, it's. It's been funny with the um, with the awards Ursula has won and scheduling self-published things that she's actually thinking sometimes, although often it's more a financial decision, but I want to have this book out by X so that maybe it can qualify for Y. Mm-hmm. No, right? that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And um the, 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 you you need to hit those deadlines and um Annette came in at the end of the year and initially I was a little bit like my is that a problem but it turned out it's worked out well you know oh yeah fine um but um but yeah I I totally get that and and you know you don't want to you want to be and have everything wrapped up and have it the other thing um oh with marketing is is when they go in into their calls, the more that they've got, like if they've got your book, the first for three, you know, um, calls with Barnes and Noble, then your book will start to look familiar. If right. it doesn't get there to the last time. And you know, yeah, somebody told me, um, five, somebody, somebody told me that, that, you, um, an item like a book cover needs to be seen five times before it catches somebody's interest. Yeah. And so the more it's out there, the the better it is. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. We because uh, we, uh, we get so inundated, and it isn't until you you see something like, oh god, I've seen that. Like, well, I don't know where it's, I've seen it. All, you know, three four times this last week. Then you pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, I wonder what that is, and maybe I do need to read that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Amazon's book recommendations. There are some that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. And by the fourth or fifth time, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. They, they, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. it's a winner. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, stop recommending these things to me. How do I make it stop? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I wish I understood Amazon. I am uh, yeah. for some reason uh, is Amazon is currently not allowing any reviews of a net to be posted. Really? Anybody. Yes. Um, if you buy the book, they'll allow it. But their policy says you don't have to buy the book. That's their policy. But right, they right. blocked it. And I've contacted them. My publishers contacted them. And the, they, we can't get a straight answer. So 
so the, yeah i've i've seen um that i've seen that with pre-release books um and i think there has potentially i they may be fighting the uh the self-publishing side of things where it's you know, where I've hired the skeezy marketing company to post oh. 10 positive reviews or whatever, you know, people haven't actually bought the book, but they're reviewing it. And so I don't know. Um, it'll be she, interesting to find out because yeah, you know, I don't buy any of her books on Amazon and I love them. And I realize I'm a biased reviewer in that case, but. Um, <laughs> well, with, with picture books, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, where, you know, I'll, I'll, I always have a pile of picture books I'm bringing home from the library mm-hmm. and I'm happy to leave reviews for, you know, especially since I, you know, some of these are creators I know and I never have a problem and, but nobody can leave one for a net right now. And best I've heard is a couple people have told me it happened to them and waited out and it lasts about two or three months. And I'm like, okay, you know, and my, my editor who's fabulous called me up to tell me how sorry she was and that they're doing everything they can. And I'm like, it, you know, it is, you know, um, it is what it is and it'll pass. And, and, you know, hopefully it won't happen with my next one, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, it's like, but I, I, I've had several people email me say, I tried to leave you a review, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. We're 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 fighting. We're 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 throwing peas at the giant right now. It's. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. And and there there is not a whole lot to be done about it. You just you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait a minute. All right. Um, are you ready for what? I consider anyway the the sad but often easy for people to answer question. Um okay, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um and that is how do you deal with failure or missing a goal? Oh, that's hard. Um it's hard. Um you you kind of got to it depends on what it is. It sometimes you're like, okay, um and you, you got to remind yourself of your successes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, you know, I'm pretty good at it. Then, okay, what can I do better next time? You know? Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I've been there. Um, I, I like the original art show. Do you know what that is? I, I do not. Uh, I wanted to get into this show so much. It is where they, they, an art show for the best art picture books. Ah. And I sent in Annette, and I was so proud of Annette, and Annette did not make it. And I was like, oh, but I, I was, and I literally for like the next week, I'm like, but it, Annette was the best I ever did. It was the best art. I was so proud of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just, just broke my heart. I was like, this was everything I had, and I put it out there, and it wasn't good enough. And then after about a week, I was like, okay, well, I guess better then. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do better then. <laughs> you know, and it was like, it was, a, it was, I spent a week or so, especially since everybody announces it online and about like the second week of that, I'm like, okay, I can't look at that anymore. I don't want to know who else got in. <laughs> right. Um, and it did help that there were a couple of other author illustrators I really like who were sort of had the same issue. And so I'm like, okay, I'm in good company. 
wasn't, you know, just me. Um, but you know, it, it was, it hurt for a couple of weeks. I won't lie. But then I was just like, okay, well, I've got, you know, three more books in the pipeline. I'll just try again and yeah. Yeah. figure it, you know, see if I, you know, push it for better. And, you know, that's all you can do, you know, because you can't shut down and walk away and give up because then, you know, I don't think I, I couldn't give up. That's not me. That's not my personality. You know, I, I at some point mm-hmm. I'd end up back at a drawing table just because I couldn't stay away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember um, for years, Ursula tried to get into um, the spectrum, the juried science fiction fantasy art book collection that comes out every year and uh uh, she after going through you know another book where she didn't get in um we looked at one and she drew she made a painting out of spite based on a couple (laughs) of the designs in the book it got in next year it got in the following year i'm not that's so funny (laughs) but yeah it's just yeah yeah yeah. i get that feeling though it's like it's like Cause it's the one I've looked at for years. It's like, I want to do that. I want to be there. And yeah. 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 Oh no. I, 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 yeah. Um. <laughs> but it got in. I love that. I love oh, that. All the- yeah. And, and it was just the silly thing. She, I, I had basically said, I bet you can't do that style. Forgetting of course that her, her great, her one great talent is she can look at any art style and basically reverse engineer it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's um, a heck of a talent. Uh, it is. It's, but it's only useful for you know, like uh, techniques and fine art and things like that. I, I once watched her explain to someone who had spent hours trying to figure out exactly how to do this one thing, and Ursula looked at it and said, "Oh, uh, you did X, Y, and Z," and their face just fell because it had been a great, you know, revelation. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, or, you know, Ursula is a great. Uh, deconstructor of technique. Um, Is she digital or traditional or both? Um, lately, I mean, she's sort of digital native. She has all the, um, I mean, she has a minor in fine art. I think it's a minor mm-hmm. in fine art. Um, so she has all the physical techniques. We have, oh, her studio over the garage. We have a two-car garage and that's her studio. And it is, you know, all the the things. Um but uh, uh, mostly lately she's been doing digital because it's so she can just pick up her iPad and draw on it. See, and I, I, I yeah, I, I love digital. I do it all with um, on a Cintiq. I, I can do it on my iPad, mm-hmm. but um, I, if I do that, then it's, it, it's harder to separate for me. It, it took her a while to learn and uh, because she, yeah, she learned on a Wacom. Um, yeah, that's how I do it. I do it yeah. on my my webcam, and and uh, on a Cintiq, so it's a giant screen. The other reason why um, iPads are hard is I I get into all the textures, and oh, I, yeah. I will. Oh God, I'll get um, I'll easily have over a thousand layers, and yes, um, so and for me it makes sense. And my one of the things that's hard right before I turn art in is I try I try not to kill my art directors with a thousand <laughs> layers, <laughs> right? So I have to go back and label everything and group everything, and that's usually mm-hmm. a day or two at the end of a project because I want it all to look. I, I so that people have to move stuff around. They don't. They aren't moving <coughs> something and suddenly 
yeah, everything falls apart. Yeah, no, the the most of of the hardware upgrades for her for her main drawing machine when she was doing the illustrated middle grade books, most of the hardware upgrades were were around the you know the program the the machine is not strong enough to handle the art you're throwing at it Ugh. level yeah. yeah um which is why the now uh, the, the iPad Pro right now is her i think her go-to drawing um device and it's i'm still floored at how powerful that thing is the new ones have that 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 new chip and everything. No, uh, this is this is even this is even the original. I we haven't oh, got wow. any of the new chip ones yet. Um, I think that's next year's upgrade for my iPad. Yeah, because the, yeah, the, the I know there's a new iPad Pro coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, they said soon, um, and I uh, I have an older one that that I'm amazed at. But they they iPads are pretty impressive. And I remember the oh, first yeah. iPad I got, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Cause I didn't, I didn't understand why I'd want a computer with me other than um, I downloaded all my books on it. I'm like, okay, well, if I go on a trip, I can take a million books with me. That makes sense. I love, cause I'm yeah. a big reader, you know, that made a lot of sense, but beyond that, I could not figure it out. Um, and now I can't go anywhere without it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, the last one I said, well, I, um, because it was the middle of the pandemic, I said, well, I don't need cellular on my iPad, right? I'll just use Wi-Fi. Well, you know, <laughs> a year and a half later, we're traveling again. And I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, so the next one, when I, uh, two-year cycle on on uh, the mobile devices. And I'm like, well, it's almost upgrade time. And I guess I'm going to pay extra for the cellular service this time because I'm out of the it. house now. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, I, I have cellular in mine and sometimes, well, we had our cell phones too, but when my, my mother and I were traveling in the spring, that was the only, there was no wifi. I mean, it was just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. if there was wifi, it was questionable at best and spotty. And so, but yeah, there are everything. I mean, photographs between the phone and, and an iPad, all of your photographs, everything it's, it's taken, the place has so much. And yeah, I've, I've, um, I still have a, a laptop, laptop, which is what I'm recording on now. Um, but it's. So I still have a desktop. That's that's the only thing I can get to work for all my thousands uh, of layers. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. But uh, uh, and I'm I'm finding that I am taking my laptop less. Like the the laptop is portable to go from my office. Mm-hmm. to you know like the bedroom or whatever so i can be checking email because i hate every single ios email program in existence right now um <laughs> but uh uh email is like my one great failing on that um but uh, you know it's the ipad otherwise is almost replaced completely replaced um a laptop for not you know sitting in my office work Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of crazy. Um, it is crazy. Yeah. All right. Other side of the coin. Um, okay. do you celebrate your successes? Oh and yeah. If so how, um, with my family, um, my, mm-hmm. my husband and kids, we've have a restaurant in town that we've always gone to for big deals. 
So oh, you know, yeah. even during COVID, it was all right. We'll order it all in, mm-hmm. and and sit down and you know that type of a celebration. And you know, my husband, you know, it, it's been real supportive with it all. And you know, um, I remember oh, yeah. when I when I sold a net, um, it was the the it was late at night because my my editors in California and she my agent were working the deal out. Right, and it right. was like a tenant night here. And my agent, who I adore, is like, I'm not going to bed till this is done. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I woke my husband up and when it was done at like 1130 at night, I was like, it's done. I sold her. Yeah. So, but. Yeah. Yeah. The, the call came in because Ursula's agent is on the West Coast, although I think all of her editors are East Coast. Uh, but the call came in when she sold. Um, the third and fourth Dragon Breath books at like eight o'clock in the evening. Um, and uh, yeah, we went out the following week because we live in the middle of nowhere, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and we drive, we were going to a friend's house anyway. And we're like, you know what, let's, 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 you know, she's like, I just got a big advance. Let's go celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we realized we're overdue for a bunch of celebrations for her stuff because, you know, pandemic. Um, But it's always been the Brazilian steakhouse, or as we like to call it, the meat faucet. (laughs) (laughs) My my big splurge for Annette and and getting published as an author illustrator was I took a trip with my mom. Um, And we'd been planning it and planning, wanting, talking about it, wanting to do it, but we ended up doing... um, we ended up doing Morocco. Uh, oh, wow. I'm jealous. Yeah, for a week. Oh, God. Morocco's unreal. It's so gorgeous. And it's some of the nicest people I've ever met, ever. And then we did um, like a weekend in Spain and Barcelona and then went on to Paris for a week. And oh. it was it was a great trip. It was just such a, you know, a great trip. And my mom and I, we, we just, we didn't, we decided we were just going to, book the hotels and the transportation and sort Mm -hmm. of take it day by day as opposed to doing a tour. And we had, we had such a great time. Yeah. Um, It it was just beautiful. And it was May, which is the perfect time to be in Morocco because it's, it's not too hot. That is, that is one of my, uh, and I think uh, one of our bucket list countries, um, we do, we've done some pretty extensive and hardcore trips. Um, we spent a week in Botswana. We spent, um, with an artist collective and then another, uh, trip where it was a month in Tibet with an artist collective wow. with the same group of artists. Yeah. There are books out on those. Um, but like, I would love to go to Morocco. We'd love to go to, to Spain. Um, and she's, she's been, she took her mom to France for her mom's 60th birthday. Uh, several years ago. And so that's on the, you know, Ursula's like, I need to take you to France. And um, yeah. Uh, that was my reaction to France um, was I, I want to take my daughter will love it. Cause uh, we, I, we went to um, Giverny, which was where Monet's garden is. And mm, uh-huh. I was just, it was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. But Morocco, um, what blew me away, we stayed in what they call Medina, which is the walled cities. Oh, my and, God. 
Yes. Like all these walled cities where no, there are no cars. And, and it's like they said something. It's like miles and miles around if you were to go around. And, and um, it, but there are no cars. Everybody walks and they use donkeys to bring in all the, the food and and all the supplies. And they it's 200,000 people were living in the they, it was Fez was living. We're living in the city of Fez. And it was built in 900. Yeah. And I'm looking over. And so these, it was, it looked like something out of Game of Thrones. It was blowing my mind. <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't know this still existed out there. And it oh, was yeah. so eye opening to me that, you know, we, we see such a little piece of the world. And to see um, this whole other part of the world. The other thing that blew me away is because I didn't know much about Morocco. Mm -hmm. I, I read up before we went was um, just, they have an incredible education system. Their oh, yeah. kids, kids start learning a second language in kindergarten. And then they pick up a third language in eighth grade. Um, and, and I'm like, how are we missing that? <laughs> and, you know, I know, I know. And, you know, yeah. they, they were and just, but they were the most welcoming Everybody we talked to, everybody, you know, they I'd sit around and talk for hours. And it was funny because I was one guy who who would um, walked us on the tour the name of the Fez, and mm -hmm. you know he and I were talking, and he's telling me about you know this is where I get my eyeglasses, and I'm only allowed to get them two times a year. And I said, really? So that's where it is for me too. He goes, but you're American. And I said, I know, but my insurance only pays it for twice a year. Yeah. And he goes, you have to pay for insurance for that? And I'm like, yes. He goes, what's your Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, my, my government buys me my blessings. And he was amazed that our government didn't do that for us. And oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yes, I, I'm paying for insurance so I can have eyeglasses. And uh, and I only get them twice a, or once every two years. And he's like, I get mine every two years. And he goes, I guess I'm not mad. I don't have to. Pay. <laughs> what was what was? Do you ever get the thing? I mean, did you get the thing um, where? Uh, and it happened to us in Iceland. And it certainly happened at the Tower of London, where you're just sitting there and you're still and you just can't wrap around the the time spans involved. We were. Um, uh, we were, you know, we're, we're at the cliffs in Iceland and they're like, yes, the, uh, the Vikings settled this, you know, a thousand years, you know, a thousand years ago. And, and here's the remains of the original settlement. And, uh, and I'm just like, I just, I just can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of that. Um, and they showed us, it was, um, it's considered the oldest college and the oldest, um, mosque in um in the world um yeah. and it was it was from also from 900 and um we weren't allowed in because we weren't we aren't muslim right but we we you know you could go to the doorway and you could look at and it was like and they were showing they had people coming in around us who would come on on pilgrimages to mm -hmm. come to this mosque and i that that is when it hit me that there that um the stuff in my mind that was ancient and how it's still part of the modern, you know, where it connected. Yeah. And it's like, um, 
but yeah, that the, the, all of Fez was a lot of me trying to wrap my head around stuff. Yeah, it 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 gets. There were a couple of surreal moments in Tibet where uh, we were at a monastery, one of the the bone monasteries, which is the religion that came before Tibetan Buddhism, and only the men were allowed into the special shrine to see the thumbprint of the holy monk who had basically founded the monastery some oh, wow. yeah um or we're standing outside of uh out of uh i forget which temple it was and uh there's caves on the wall and we're like what what <clears throat> there there are caves up there and our guide is just like yes that's where the uh, the tibetans taught the uh indian yogis how to meditate and i'm just like <laughs> Time out. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at one of the, it was like one of the first spots in the in the uh, in Tibet, like one of the entrances of the Silk Road, and you just stand there, and it's just mind-numbingly, you know, mind-blowing when you're standing there, going, "This wait, how old? How long ago?" Yeah. Yes, and you're yeah. you're just and, and you suddenly feel like so tiny. Yeah. And your whole world is so small because you know I I, I yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah um, and don't don't ever go to the British Museum which is uh, where they keep all the things they stole. Um, oh, in Tibet? No, no. The the so that was the funny thing. We went to a temple and there were all these photos, and we're like, "What are these photos?" And they're like, "Yes, these were photos taken by the British." And we're like, so they left the photos instead of the, and took the statues. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. The statues were destroyed in the Cultural Revolution. Oh, but if it weren't for the British taking the photos, we wouldn't have these. And I was like, hang on, the British didn't steal something. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm saying this because uh, one of my friends in Britain looked and said, oh, you're going to the museum. That's where we keep all the things we stole from everyone. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but there, there's a there's a display in there, and and we're both standing there, and I'm looking at it, and it's like these skeletons and this section of wall were taken from from you know uh, Jericho and are dated at, and I'm like, okay, time out. The Jericho, the one they yeah. talk about in the Old Testament, and uh, Ursula's like, yes, and th these are skeletal remains from. Roughly that time period. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, yeah, so can we, yeah, let's just go outside and have a hot dog because I can wrap my head around a hot dog and, and my brain isn't working anymore. That right? would pull me away. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Those are all the, the big productivity related questions. Um, thank you for, for bearing with all the, uh, the um, technical difficulties. Oh, um, no yeah, our final our, our final question before we start to ask about where to find you online. Um, since early last year, um, we realized that we're in an incredibly privileged incredibly privileged position, and we don't need the support of our listeners. And we would much rather they support someone who needs it way more than we do. And we ask our guests for a charity for our listeners to support. Um, who would you like our, our listeners to give money to instead of us? The Cleveland Kids, um, Cleveland Kids 
book bank. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Book bank. So, and, and so this is a, a book bank for kids. Yep. Um, it and... donates books to kids um, in, in inner city Cleveland. Okay. And they, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's important work. It is. And I think, uh, well, I, you know, I, I believe that, that the kids who can read will, can forward, you know, get themselves mm-hmm. everything. Oh you, yeah. You, you need to, if you've got the gift to be able to read. Um, so, and to do that, you gotta get books in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we are, are big supporters of local libraries and, uh, firm, you know, believers in the teachers and literacy here as well. Yeah. Um, and the tireless work that librarians do to get books into kids' hands. Yep, it's gotten harder lately, and that's just mm-hmm. not oh, a bit yeah. of sense. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, we will pass on that discussion because that is a whole other rant. Oh, and that, is, that is, yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, all right, let's, let's, let's talk about the big things. Where do we find, um, where do we find Annette? And I have the full title here somewhere. Where do we find more about you? Like if you Um, care to share online and things. I, my website is www.katie, K-A-T-I-E, Mazika, M-A-Z-E-I-K-A.com. So katiemazika.com. Yes. Um, and I am on Twitter at katiemaz and Instagram at katiemazart. So I'm, I'm around. I don't do a lot of Instagram. I'm, I'm more likely to be on Twitter because they crack me up on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's where the, we kind of live there. Yes. Yes. Um, and Annette is... is um, you can buy it from my publisher. Uh, she's mm-hmm. on Simon Schuster's website. You can get it at your local bookstore. Amazon, of course, if you must. <laughs> yes, but support your local bookstore first if you can. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, local bookstores, Barnes & Noble. Um, it's Annette Feels Free, The True Story of Annette Kellerman, Uh world-class swimmer, fashion pioneer, and real-life mermaid. Oh, yeah. I, 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 Just seeing the art behind you, I'm like, I have got to read that because it just looks fun. It, it, it's a great... You know? This woman blew me away. Um, she is... Um, she, she... The reason that I wrote um, this book is because... Um, she she was trained initially to be a classical dancer and she came down with they don't know quite what polio rickets they aren't sure what but it right. um ended up in like leg braces at the age of six Oof. um and when i was three i lost my eye and so that that is the point where i was like okay i i you know then i kind of get her Right. I kind of get her. Um, but then she added all these photos of her as um, a young adult. She's so confident and, and is just, just got this attitude. 
um, she started swimming as a way to heal her from the, um, you know, and build up the strength in her leg. She turned out to be really, really good at it um, and set records all over Australia. Um, she also, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, she also started, some of those records still stand too. Um, and she started um, swimming in aquariums and stuff where she would dance in the water. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah. And um, so she went on vaudeville. Um, she went on to the, the UK and Europe, um, performed on vaudeville, um, all over the, the European stages, uh, and continued racing um, and raced against men. She won races against men. Um, she attempted the, the uh, English Channel a few times, set the record, didn't make it all the way across, but set the record for the furthest across in the shortest amount of time. Um, oh. And then she finally, she came to the U.S., and she was getting ready to, to, to do, uh, it's called the Lighthouse Race. It's off of Revere Beach, where they race around a lighthouse in Boston, and had, um, but she was, she, she'd been, I'm sorry, she'd been swimming, um, in some version of a dress. Some of, you know, they were, they no longer, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. at this point she was down to silk, but there was some version of this just for what they insisted, you know, women wear. And she made her own swimsuit along the way. And it was pretty much a man's swimsuit. So she's going to, to practice for this race in Boston and steps out on the beach in this man's swimsuit um, and gets arrested for indecent exposure. And, <sighs> and it pretty much was like, like a comparative today, a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. I mean, there, right. there was nothing shown um, except her bare knees, which apparently was just horrifying. Oh um, yeah, no, the, you you can't do that. The Victorians, I mean, you know. <laughs> so they um, they arrested her for indecent exposure. She fought it in court and won, and then started creating swimsuits for women everywhere. Um, partnered with the department store and sold them as the Annette Kellerman swimsuit. And that's when women started wearing the the swimsuits that were were more like closer to what we see today. Um, she wow. went on and taught the dancing she was doing in the water she taught it um and people started picking it up and it became synchronized swimming um which is now an olympic sport it's called oh, yeah. swimming um but that was from annette also and she went on to 14 different movies she starred in 14 movies wow and uh and a star in the hollywood walk of fame she was a, she was always she was the one doing all the all underwater scenes and the dance underwater dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she was. She's just. She would dive off of cliffs, like a seventy foot cliff, for for movies. You know, all of her own stunts. Um, she's pretty. You know, hardcore. Yeah, she was, and they they get and you know, and she swam and you know up until her seventies, she could hold her breath for three minutes twenty seconds. And um, underwater, and but she wow. was she was going you know till till her seventies, um, and I'm like, and so I when I learned about, it, I'm like, why do I not know about this woman? It's <laughs> like, why do I not know this woman? She, you know, she's pretty, you know, she, for everything she's done, where are the books on her? <laughs> right. And, yes. 
So, uh, and so I wrote one. <laughs> she, but she is, she's very interesting um, in that she just kind of, it's like, I, you know, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and go ahead and tell me I can't, but I'm going to do it. And she did. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of love that about her. Uh, the woman I'm writing, and, well, I'm doing the art. Like I've already done the writing. Um, uh, is sort of the same way. She was um, same time period Victorian, and mm-hmm. she gave us sent to finishing school. And she's like, I want to be an inventor. And there's no math or science classes. They were it was finishing school. So she's like, Yeah, but I know how this is going to work. I can explain it with words. I can draw the picture. And um, she took it to to um, people who would to to guy who was. Um, he would have been an engineer and said, right. look, it's an umbrella and make the handle like a telescope. So it gets bigger and smaller. And now we have telescoping umbrella handles. Um, and he did, he, he drew it out and um, she got the patent. And, um, and then she also had a, a cover, take the cover off and on, use, use uh, snaps like we have on gloves. That's how she, <laughs> she saw it and was able to, to describe it. And then draw it out for him or carve it out of a piece of soap or whatever. And once she got somebody to take her seriously, he's like, well, this is how it would look in a patent. And here's how the patent would read. And so she put it together, got her first patent, and then two manufacturing, um, two, two manufacturers, two businesses mm-hmm. um, from that money. And went on to get 58 patents in her own name, which was unheard of for a woman. Oh, yeah. And to this day, with no engineering, no upper level math, no science, she still holds the most mechanical patents of any woman. And I mean, and we think, you know, and we're just excited when we find out that uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has one patent, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's astounding. Yeah. Um, um, how much we miss. Well, and, and, and you know, and this 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 was another one where she's like, "No, I get, I I I can make these things. I can, you know." And she just she saw it in her head. Um, she had hyperphantasia, which is okay. Three, yeah, so she saw it. She understood it. She could turn it around in her brain. Three, you know, a three D, and um, and just kept drawing it over and over and explaining it until somebody's like, "Yeah, I get what you're trying to do here." And once she got one success out there, she made enough money. Um, the the umbrella she made, yeah, was yeah, a huge hit. Lord and Taylor put them in their front window. Um, made her a ton of money. Then she's like, "All right, I'm going to hire a group of you that understand me, and we're going to sit down and just start inventing." And she did. She just one after another. She wow. was known as Lady Edison. And, uh, and the public didn't know what to do with her because she was raised, um, you know, she, Debbie Tom, yeah. proper Southern girl. So they were putting her into like Harper Bazaar, but she had all these brilliant scientific ideas. So they're putting her on the scientific journal. She had like, she had no place to go. She didn't look like she was supposed to for a science. Right. She looked, everybody described her as looking like Mae West and, uh, and you know, dressed always in her dressing gowns and pearls. And it's like, so she fit no, um, she didn't fit anywhere. And I love that about her. She's oh, just, that's amazing. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And yeah, you don't understand. That's okay. I'm still going to do it. And yeah. she didn't give up. She just didn't give up. Um, 
but she wow. ended up, and it, it, it kills me. They know she has 58 patents in her name. They don't know how many she had for other companies. Other companies were coming to her and saying, we can't figure this out. And she'd figure it out. Um, manufacturing equipment, they'd be like, we want a machine that does this. And she would, she could figure out how to do it and create a mach machinery. Um, so she had just, just an amazing brain and, uh, and people that were lining up to say, we don't know how to make this happen. And, and can you figure this one out? Yep. And, and getting paid for it, which is even a bonus. You get paid to do the thing you love, right? Well, that and the fact that she was female and getting paid to do that, because that was back then, if you were a woman and you were married, if you got a patent, it went in your husband's name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, yeah. But she, she was, she was able to do it. She, mm -hmm. and I don't think, um, I, th I don't think readers, young readers today understand how different the world was once upon a time. Yeah, the the I think one of the things that was incredibly valuable about um, the book I read on suffrage is that it laid out, you know, here are the hurdles that had to be overcome, not just in the fight for voting, but for the 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 fight of women's rights in general, mm -hmm. um, and you know, uh, uh, for all rights, um, because the the suffrage movement uh, actually came out of, in some ways, the um, abolitionists. Yes, yes. Um, um, if you're ever in Cincinnati, the Underground Railroad does a beautiful yes. job of tying that together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we, we here in North Carolina, we, we are painfully aware of many of those, those <laughs> facts. <laughs> So, you know, North um, Carolina is an interesting state. It was because I, I, when I was doing the research for Beulah, because she was out of North Carolina, she's from Charlotte. Yeah. Um, they were the first um, state to, to put together um, public schools for slave children, the children of the, the, the um, freed slaves. Yeah. And which is, I, which shocked me. I'm like, you mean we weren't doing this up north already? Um, and up until the last, I want to say, 30 years or so, um, and I have a whole lot of discussion on this that we won't get into, but um, North Carolina was a fairly progressive state as far as the South went in terms of uh, that sort of thing. See, um, and that's what I kept running into because I was surprised mm -hmm. at, um, at some of the, when I was looking for the history of schools and stuff when, when Beulah was, a, was young and would have been in school, um, I was surprised. I was like, well, you know, at, at the fact that they were, they had public schools for, for black students then. And I was like that, that, you know, way yeah. back then that was surprising to me. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it would have been a point of pride. Um, and now, well, we won't yeah. get into that because I have opinions. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so many, so many opinions. Um, <sighs> so, a shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I have to go like read up everything I can on Annette Kellerman, including, um, hopefully not looking too much like a, a, a weird old dude buying a children's book, but, um, <laughs> and, and on Beulah Henry, um, 
because these are amazing women who I had no idea about. And so exactly. now I do. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Um, they are. Yeah. Uh, and I also want to say thank you so much. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. This for, fun. Thank you. It's been, it's been great. And thank you for so much for putting up with the technical difficulties. Oh, not so, a problem. Yeah. No problem. Um, and then for the people at home, we will be right back after this. Many thanks to Katie for taking the time out to talk to me. I had such a great time and I'm really excited about the next couple or uh, the next book she has coming out. Um, matter of fact, I, I'm going to be picking both books up when they're, they're available. Um, uh, did I tell you the first one is about uh, Annette Kellerman? Oh, no. Um, who invented synchronized swimming, was in 14 movies, was had polio and was in leg braces, and was a um, was the modern designer for swimsuits. Oh, wow. And had a bunch of patents that had to be done in her male colleague's name because... Society. Uh, society, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's awesome, and the next book is not society. The book, yeah, the book um, is about Beulah Henry, the inventor of the telescoping uh, umbrella and umbrella cover. Alrighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it is kind of awesome. So we have a word. Lay the word on me. The word this week is butt in chair. Yeah, fair. Because uh, Katie says, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest things is get the butt in a chair and start working. Right? I resent that that is one of the secrets of success. But it yes. kind of is, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, you go to productivityalchemy.com, you look for the little activity code box, and you type in butt in chair, all one word, no spaces, and you will get a badge. Woo! Dun, dun, dun. No, um, badges are really cool. I like badges. We talk about badges, and you can find out more about them on the webpage. There is a whole, like, how-to. There are a whole bunch of badges you can collect. I think it was last week I gave away... It was either last week or the week before. I was just like, here's a bunch of badge codes that you don't need to listen to episodes for. Um... They're sort of, those the ones like that are sort of sprinkled throughout the years as, uh, especially the first year as, you know, like little Easter eggs. Yay! So, yes, like everybody's favorite, the failed badge with the little heart. <laughs> um, there is other stuff not badge related that they can do on the website though. Well, yeah, there's the show notes with all the links to the things I managed to take notes on and find URL references for. 
there are <laughs> past episodes. You can go listen to them. It's pretty awesome. You can also see their show notes. Um, you can search for terms. Uh, like I have, I put in tags and categories. So if uh, all the categories are the guest names and all of the tags are things like, if you want to see all the episodes where we talk about Trello, look for the Trello label. It's there. You can also read our biographies. You can also um, send letters, comment but on episodes. Yeah. There is the forbidden link. The forbid Is that like the forbidden zone? Uh, I don't know. I just know it's the forbidden link. Oh. Yes, tell them what the forbidden link is. Sorry, Sergey has begun throwing things off my desk that uh, that has, you know, startled me here. I'll just here, I've cleared a space for you, cat, and then we will talk about the forbidden link. You really are just something, aren't you, buddy? So the forbidden link, not like the forbidden zone with, you know, the Knights of Oingo Boingo soundtrack. Um is the contact or not the contact link derp no click the contact link yes absolutely click, click the contact link. link uh no it's the support, support us. us link dun 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 dun, dun. yeah it is forbidden click it not yes we have a pat uh, ursula has a patreon i have a kofi that's fine but we don't need it no we're good we're we're exceptionally good and we would rather the money go to people who need it way more than we do and this week, that is the Cleveland Kids Book Bank, um, which donates books to kids in Cleveland. Um, and uh, their firm belief is kids who can read can have everything. Uh, in a lot of ways, yes. In a lot of ways, no. But that's a whole other thing. So, yeah, we'll... Uh, but I personally feel that children's... Uh, literacy is a huge thing. Oh, it, you are not going to get an argument from the yeah. occasional children's book author. Yeah, and anything to support children's literacy is a good thing. Absolutely. In my mind. Um, so, yeah, go out, give the Cleveland Kids Book Bank um, money so they can get books into the hands of kids so they can help kids read and expand their vocabulary and their horizons. Um, there are many things I read about first in books that made me want to experience them in the world and things that were in books that inspired me because they just tipped off my imagination that you didn't have to be a realist all the time if you didn't want to be damn straight damn straight and you know yeah i'm a professional writer so obviously like yeah the more people that can read, the more people could potentially read your books, yes. And it's okay if you don't like my books. There are millions of other, well, not millions, but there are at least hundreds of thousands of other authors. Oh, yeah. You should absolutely read their books. They, they read, read people's books. Yes, absolutely. Lots of books. Lots of books. All right, that's it for this week, folks. We are, oh, wow, hey, it's um, the holiday season. So if you are celebrating um, this next to last weekend of december or any or we're celebrating earlier yes uh, in the have a i hope you have or are having a happy holiday of some sort um if you are not celebrating i hope you are at least finding some time for some peace and quiet uh, 
that's what I'll be using a lot of my time off for, I hope. And yeah, that's it. So go out there and do your best to um, stay productive. Even if that just looks like ordering Chinese food on Christmas Eve and swearing you'll go to Midnight Mass next year and staying home and playing video games. It's for for my people. It's the the midnight candlelight service. But yeah, same same theory. Same diff. Same thing. Yeah.